for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey And welcome in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, the regular season finale. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you as the Colts, we could say George, maybe save their best for last and what was a highly entertaining game between the Colts and the Texans and the improbable, if you want to say that, has happened as the Texans do beat the Colts, cost themselves the number one spot uh, in the draft. So we'll get to that here in a second, what that means for the Colts getting that, that has massive ramifications now going forward to the offseason. A lot of different reports head coaching-wise about Jim Harbaugh. We got an update for you on another possible candidate for the um, for the Colts. Uh, for the Colts is, is rising here, and Sean Payton made a very interesting assessment of what he's looking for when it comes to coaching his next team on Fox. We'll get into that as well. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, George, just like we predicted uh, back in the summer, have won the AFC South. We'll get uh, also discuss how that impacts the Colts as well going forward here. But George. We have made it to the regular season finale. The, this is the last post-game pod. And frankly, for a 4-12-1 team, mercifully, it's over. But fitting. I will say it's fitting ending to this crap season, that's for sure. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, a couple things I want to say right off the bat. First of all, this is why I love this game. Uh, you come out here today, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, it's a Week 18 game between two teams that, that have been out of the playoff picture for a while. They put up 63 points combined. It was a crazy finish. Uh, everybody in the postgame uh, from you know Jeff Saturday, Paris Campbell, guys have been around this game a long time. Can't remember ever having been a part of something quite like this, a finish quite like this. Uh, but the second part of this, hopefully we never have to answer again whether players and coaches care about tanking. The Texans converted a 4th and 20, a 4th and 12, and went for 2 to win the game to lose the number one overall pick. I don't think we should ever again have to, to answer that question. It's, it's obvious. All Houston had to do at that point was one more incompletion and walk off the field with the number one overall pick. They don't care. Uh, I, I, just, I think that should drive that home, hopefully, for everybody for, for eternity now to understand coaches and players do not care. You are 100% right, and I'm not even going to try to hide my joy. This was – I personally thought, George, this is the best – this is by far the best outcome for the Colts. I – like going into this game, I think the, the score prediction I gave was like six to three or nine to six. It was yeah. like what's scoring. So to get all the fireworks we had, but also too to have the Colts lose this game and now have the Bears have the number one overall pick. This could be a loss, George. That I don't think it's hyperbolic to say could be the best thing for the Colts in the next decade. Like you look back at, at previous losses, I would argue either this is the best loss for this team. You got to go back to 2011 when they lost to, I believe it was the Titans, to go to 0-13. That clinched the number one spot in the 2012 drafters. As we know, that ended up with Andrew Luck. We could be looking at this loss here in, in five, ten years being like, this was by far the best thing. And honestly, I don't think it's it's crazy to say, maybe put number 10 up in the in the rafters for Davis Mills. Whether that's tremendous, like you said. Fourth and 12 conversion of Brandon Cooks. Fourth and 20, Hail Mary, which they got lucky as hell on, on that touchdown of Jordan Akins. And then the two-point conversion as well. This was a loss that I think we could be looking back in a long time here and saying this was the best thing for this team. And this is, I thought, at least the, the, a cherry on top of what was been a, a total crap season. I mean, where else with the NFL do you get this, though? I mean, I know college basketball True. is great buzzer beaters, but a fourth and 20 and a fourth and 12 on the same drive and then a two-point conversion to win it. I mean, if, if you were watching one of these Hollywood movies, you would sit there and throw the script out for being you know too unbelievable. That's... 
it never happens. And to see it happen, you know, all in the span of what, five minutes in real time, maybe 10 minutes in real time. Uh, just incredible. It's, it's, you're going to love this game. And, and then the other outcome of this, and I think it's interesting. I don't honestly remember. It's been a long season. I, I feel like I was in Houston for the opener three years ago. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly. Um, but I, I can't remember if we discussed it on the air or not. I know we discussed it off the air. Uh, the idea of the Bears getting the number one overall pick. And, and at the time, we were kind of talking about it's a long shot, you know, Houston's going to have to do a lot to get that way. And I know I texted you after they got that second win and said, Hey, if they beat the Colts in the finale, you know, this is something that, that, that could really happen uh, to be sitting here now. And, and, and that's the scenario. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I'll tell you what I would do if I was the bears, I would trade down twice. I would call Houston and I would say, Hey, you want to swap and get that number one pick back? And then I would trade number two again to the highest bidder and get, I would maximize this situation. You know, I, I have no idea if Houston's interested in that. They obviously weren't too worried about number one overall today. Uh, they may not be, you know, in the future too. Um, but I think the bears are sitting pretty, uh, especially because you've got a situation now where, it just it's up to them what they want to auction off. You can trade this number one pick. Uh, you can trade Justin Fields if you feel like maybe he's a little bit too banged up and, and you're worried about him for the future and probably get a pretty good haul for him as well uh, and draft your guy in the future. I think the Bears are sitting pretty, uh, and, and the Colts are now in a much better situation than, than you would expect. We, we don't know where they're going to pick yet. I think Denver and Arizona are still playing right now. If they both win, the Colts will go up to three. Uh, if just one of them wins, the Colts will go up to four, but we know it won't be worse than fifth. And so five to one is a jump, but it's certainly nothing that, that would be unprecedented. It's certainly not something that's completely off the table. Um, my questions on that, there's a couple of them. I mean, one is, do they feel strongly enough about any one quarterback in this draft to go up to one and get him? Uh, if you do, I don't think there's any hesitation here. You got to make that call. Um, I just think it's been too long you know, going through this process. And I, I say that with full knowledge of people in Cleveland and, and, you know, some of these other towns that right. went two decades, Miami, you know, they're, they're still looking, um, it, look, it's five years. So it, it feels a lot longer here than, than it does maybe in reality, four years, technically since the retirement. But I think that you're in a, you're in a situation now where you've got a chance, you've got to do everything in your power to, to end it you know and so that the only way i don't make that pick is if i make an evaluation of these quarterbacks and i just don't feel like one of them is worth the number one overall pick because you're going to put a lot of pressure on that guy uh you know coming right out of, of the gate but if you have even an inkling that that guy could be worth that slot you got to do it 100 or at least agree. try to do it right that's and that's just it it takes two to tango right so you're going to need the bears to be receptive uh receptive which you think like I said, whether it's they like Justin Fields, they want to keep him, and then you're not going to draft a quarterback, or even like I'll be honest, if they want to trade Justin Fields and they want to take Bryce Young, I'd be open if the Colts are interested or, or able to draft or trade for I should say uh, Justin Fields. I'd be all in on that as well. So you look like what this loss means for the Colts. Like you said, it's number one. You were the absolute first person to do it on this podcast, talking about the likelihood or the chances I should say of the Bears getting the number one overall pick. We talked a lot of, you know, the, the crossing over between the Bears and the Colts franchise. Obviously, Matt Eberflus, right, was former defensive coordinator right here in Indy, which is good. You have uh, Chris Ballard, who I don't know how much is going to help, but he was a part uh, of the scouting department in Chicago for 12 years. So hopefully there's still some relationships more, there that if he's the More GM, importantly, he was with Ryan Poles in Kansas City. So he's been years. with the Bears, the Bears GM. You know, they, they have a relationship. 
hundred percent. So if, if assuming Chris Bauer is still here, and obviously that's a big assumption because we cannot predict what Jim Mercy is thinking. And maybe if Jim Harbaugh wants to come in and get a new GM, that's obviously on the table as well. But if Chris Ballard is still here, like you said, there's connections with Ryan Poles. There's connections with the Bears himself. Obviously, Matt Eberflus, again, was here as well. So there's a lot of already kind of easy openings for the Colts to make conversation with the Bears. And if they want to trade down from one to five, or like I said, we'll see what Arizona uh, and Denver do, one to four, maybe one to three. That's a situation where if I'm the Colts, I don't care what it takes, George, however many first-round picks, basically write a blank check if there's a first-round picks that the Bears want. And I think you got to make that move for Bryce Young. That's my opinion. I would do – I'm in on Bryce Young. You're a Bryce Young guy as well. Assuming – I don't know how you're not, but if Chris Ballard hopefully is, I would hand a blank check, the equivalent, whatever that is, and, and first-round picks to Chicago and say, let's make this deal happen. Well, and I think the big thing about Eberflus being there is he knows this roster. So there's a lot of guys on this defense that you would think he would like to have. And so you can make those part of this 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 move as well. Uh, and even guys on offense that were here when he was here. You know, I would think these are guys that if you're the Bears, you get a top five pick out of the deal. You could get a couple of cornerstone pieces, whatever they might be. I mean, we could sit here and and, and make a bunch of speculation right now, uh, which won't matter because in a week or two it'll change. Um, but there are guys. I mean, I would. I, I'm kind of in the same boat you are with draft picks. I I don't think I would make anybody unavailable. You know, when I'm calling them and I'm talking to them, if you're on this roster, it's a possibility you're going to Chicago in this deal. I, I think you have to be that way. Um, you know, if if you're the Colts right now, and so, but. You know, I think there's some obvious guys you don't have to think really hard. Some obvious guys who have a, a huge role in, in the kind of defense that Everflus wants to play that he would be interested in that are here that he has a, a relationship with. Uh, and then I think there's other positions. I mean, look what the Bears need offensive line, wide receivers, offensive playmakers. There are guys here that, that you could offer to them that I think it would be worth doing it uh, if the prize at the end of the, of, of the rainbow is, is Bryce Young. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. And there's a lot of time to go here. We don't even know for sure that, that Young's going to end up being the consensus number one quarterback in this draft. We, we certainly, uh, he is for us. Uh, and it sounded right. like, and it sounded like he is for Eric Edholm, who we'll have back on here probably in, <laughs> in, in a couple of weeks, um, you know, as we run down through these, these, these quarterback prospects. But I think that's one of the things that, that's really underrated here. It, Eberflus's knowledge of this roster really counts a lot too, because the picks are going to matter, um, you know, especially the future picks and, and and what the Bears want with that. But to have a head coach who can walk into that GM's office and say, "Hey, I have a hundred percent faith in in this guy, this guy, and this guy. If we get them, I'll pull this trigger right away." And like I said, I'm hundred percent with you. No one's off limits. Uh, no roster one through fifty three doesn't really matter who you want to name. Except if you think. And at least to me, it appears that Bryce Young can be that next young quarterback, can kind of fall into the mold that Trevor Lawrence is starting to develop in, or, or Joe Burrow has been, or, or Josh Allen, Patrick Holmes. But it doesn't matter what you want for Chicago. You do whatever it takes to get that guy. Because you see, you look around the Bengals, the Bills, now the Jaguars are, are rising up here. Those teams have transitioned in large part because of that young quarterback they have gotten. So if you can get, if, if Bryce Young, we believe to be that guy, like I said, no price is too high. No price is too yeah. high. And the best part now for the Colts is that the conversation actually is over. Right? In Houston, I think there's yeah. zero chance they would trade it down and or trade down with the Colts. Now at least you have that opening that you need to where if, like I said, Bryce Young is the number one pick, is a consensus, you don't have to worry about now the Texans screwing up. You know, we can stop tweeting at the Texans about trying to draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud. Now it's all about making a deal with the Bears and whoever is offering you know it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a feeding frenzy. 
You got to assume the Texans are going to be interested. You got to assume maybe another team behind the Colts will be interested as well. Moving up, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be hungry uh, and look at the Bears as most likely trading down. You have yep. to match at least bare minimum whatever the best offer is. If not uh, surpass, like I said, there's no price, in my opinion, at this point, it's too high. I think one of the big things, too, for the Colts is that as you look at it, they've probably got one of the better picks that, that can be offered in this situation. Uh, because I, I don't know that as we sit here right now, I don't think Arizona and Seattle, who will have that that third and fourth pick as we are doing the podcast right now, um, I don't know that they would be all that interested in, in giving up more assets to, to go get a quarterback. Arizona definitely wouldn't be uh, in right. the situation that they're in. And, and even Seattle, I think I think if somebody's there for them at three, it's going to be a conversation. But with Geno Smith, I don't know if they want to be all in on on moving up and drafting a guy and you know giving up extra assets. Now, the interesting thing for them is they've got a lot of them because of their deal with Denver. So they're, I think they're the biggest competition right now in the sense that they could go out there and throw the the third or fourth pick wherever they're at right now. I think they're a third, uh, you know, on the table and and probably have more picks going down the line to offer because of that deal that they made for Russell Wilson. If they're absolutely in love with one of these quarterbacks, that's probably the worst case scenario, you know, as as we look at it for the Colts, is that Seattle trades up to one and the Texans take a guy at two. And, and now you're looking at that third quarterback, which probably isn't quite as enticing uh, to, to Indianapolis in the overall scheme of things. Um, but, you know, the, those are that's the way the NFL goes. Those, those are, you know, the facts that are out there. And, and I have no idea which way Seattle will go. History says they're much more likely to trade down than they are to trade up, but the same is true of the Colts. So, and I'm with you 100% on the roster. I mean, we just talked about it. It has nothing to do with the talent on this roster, the character in the locker room, or anything. It has everything to do with the importance of getting the quarterback spot right. You give up whatever it takes to, to get that done. Oh, man. I Like, honestly, George, the last two months we've been talking about price selling and, and hoping the Texans screw. Like, I saw, I, I still, like, I'm shocked as we're sitting here recording this, this postgame pod that the Texans win. The Texans win in the way they did where it looked like for two and a half quarters they're going to just steamroll the Colts. They didn't, I swear, George, I, I was ready to call Roger Goodell. It looked like Cal McNair <laughs> from the press box put a call and all of a sudden Davis Mills starts throwing some awful passes. It looks like the Texans just forget how to play defense for a little bit. And it's like, oh, they're trying to throw this game. And then Davis Mills with the the drive, the drive of the season. And maybe again, the drive of the decade here for the Colts as he pulls it off. And my, <laughs> oh, baby. And you see the reaction from Houston fans on Twitter. Let me tell you, George, they know what they just blew. They are upset. They are, this is, this is a great day. I, this is a, a great, great day. And then honestly, I never thought I'd be this happy sitting at the end of a 4-12-1 season as I am right now. I'm honestly overjoyed. This is a great, great game. It's good. I think it's going to be really interesting to see Holy what cow. the uh, – I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Bears choose to do here because uh, they are in a situation where they've got a quarterback who they have a lot of reason to have faith in, who's who's playing the way that you want to, to see your quarterback play in today's game. Uh, but he's hurt. You know, he's been hurting both years. And so if they believe that Bryce Young is is the transcendent talent that you and I believe and that apparently the Texans fans believe uh, that, that he is, you know, they could make that that deal. So that, that's another spot where I think it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces now. The, the Bears obviously are the first piece of the puzzle. What do they want to do? Right. But they've got to trade one or the other. They've either got to trade the quarterback they have right now on the roster or they got to trade the number one pick. And I would say 
that the number one pick is probably going to bring a bigger return. I think you're going to have more suitors for that. Uh, it, it's probably the more valuable of the assets. So if I'm sitting there in Chicago and I'm betting one way or the other, I'm betting they're going to trade the number one overall pick. Uh, and then again, like I said, I, I think we'll see how things play. I don't want to get too much into that discussion because that could be dated by the time people are listening right. to this. We'll see how things play out as far as other suitors go. But do you feel like the Colts are in pretty good position with no worse than the fifth pick and a roster that the head coach in Chicago has a vast familiarity with? And for the first time in, what, two years, I believe, a full complement of uh, of draft picks where you don't, have, you don't have any other picks of yours given out anymore. You have the full boat here, and you're ready to offer like said, whatever you kind of need to, to get it done, uh, get the job done. And I think you're right. The last point I'll make is I think you're 100% right. If, you, if you're the Bears and you're looking at do we trade fields or do we trade the first, round, uh, first overall pick, you're going to get more picks. You're going to get better players if you deal the first overall pick. I think there's going to be more of a competition, more of a bidding war than it would be for still a really good young player. Like I said, Justin Fields, who, like you mentioned, has been banged up, which could give you know teams red flags. And he's already two years in, so you kind of lose a little bit of that you know four or five year window of a young rookie quarterback trying to you know trying to go all in and capitalize on that cheap contract before he gets paid. You're already kind of two years uh, in on that with some wear and tear in the body as well. So I'm with you. If the Bears are looking for the biggest return and maybe the the biggest crop kind of get this team turned around fast, I would say it would be dealing the number one overall pick uh, to the highest bidder, which. Fingers crossed, George, it better be the Colts. That's what we'll say. It better be the Colts. You cannot get outbid or else Chris Ballard is going to be, or whoever the GM is, is going to be in a world, in a world of pain. That is for sure. So, man, man, oh, man, Texans beat the Colts 32-31 uh, on a gutsy two-point conversion from Lovey Smith. Bring him back just for that decision. They go for uh, two. Lovey's the coach of the year for that, by the way. Just <laughs> to avoid overtime. I think the media will vote him certainly here in Indy. He is the coach of the year for that, just to not do overtime. And the Texans, I think, uh, media will agree with us on that one. Without a doubt, sure. They get the season over with as fast as they can. That's absolutely for sure. But man, oh man, four twelve and one, George never sounded so good when you see the consequences of this loss. So great day. I think it's a great day to be a Colts fan. A great day for the future for sure. Uh, but part of that future is going to be at head coach. We'll, when we do return in the Blue Horseshoe Pod, I mean, look. It, I'm over George. You can tell that the Colts lost to the Texans. But with that said, the reality is the Colts lost to the Texans, who were coming to today the worst team in the NFL. Not a very good look for Jeff Saturday if he's trying to make his case to be the permanent head coach of the Colts. We'll discuss his candidacy, uh, as I think this should be should be the final kind of nail in the coffin for, for Jeff. But we'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. As the regular season finale has come and gone, Colts lose 32-31 to the Houston Texans. The Texans lose the number one overall pick. That now goes to the Chicago Bears. And the Colts right now will have a top five pick. We'll see at least as we're recording this, you know, still some scenarios play out. But they will have no worse than five when the NFL draft does come around in April. Make sure, as you can tell, we're having a very busy offseason. That's really, George, it's kind of like now that the regular season is over, now it's like the fun starts. Now the busyness starts with all the different head coaching uh opportunities and decisions and interviews and obviously what to do in the draft. So make sure you're downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pocket. It's going to be a very busy offseason for sure. All right, George. So Jeff Saturday had his last opportunity on Sunday in order to make any sort of, of last-ditch effort to keep uh, the head coaching job and, and being the permanent head coach of the Colts. Instead, they lose to, again, the team that came in with the worst record in the NFL, 32-31. You blow a seven-point lead and allow Davis Mills to drive right down the field for a touchdown, a two-point conversion. And now Jeff Saturday, in his eight games as head coach, 
one and seven, seven trade losses. George, look, I'm not even going to ask you if this is – we talked like five weeks ago we talked about him not being the head we, – we talked about when he was hired, not going to be the permanent head coach. But, again, Jim Irsay is continuing to, to throw it out there and say he's a viable option. If you're Jim Irsay, well, I guess I'll ask you this. It, what can you say at this point to convince yourself that he could be the guy? I don't think he needs to convince himself. I don't know what he can say to anybody else. I mean, I think he is convinced. He's he's a big Jeff Saturday fan. He's made that clear from from the get-go. I don't know what he can say to, to anybody else other than I'm the owner and I can do what I want. I think mean, that's, that's the bottom. I, I can't come up with any other rationale. And when I say that, it's not a knock on Jeff Saturday, the person. You know, I want to make that clear. Like Everybody likes Jeff Saturday. He's a Colts legend. He he's going to remain in the Ring of Honor here. What he's done for this franchise as a player should not be under underestimated in any way, shape, or form. Um, but it's it's I cannot come up with a way. I feel like if you were playing Madden and you tried to extend your interim coach after this, the game wouldn't let you do it. You know, <laughs> would you say no? This you you can't do this. Um, I. I, I can't come up with, with with an option. Now, I, one thing I do think is kind of interesting, you always look at, like, numbers and, and how things play out. Point differential at the end of the day with this one-point loss is 87. So we've got Reggie Wayne's jersey number for the point differential for Jeff Saturday's coaching tenure here uh, in Indianapolis. In eight games, a whopping eight games in 87, negative 87 point differential, which, again, you want to do some quick math there. Just over, uh, at that point, what, over 10 points a game basically on average you're losing by, which is – Making this team not competitive. I was laughing, George. I will say you made a very funny comment unintentionally. You said that they're going to keep in the Ring of Honor. I just that I just picture like Jim Mercy in the in the press box or in his owner's suite after today's game, so upset, losing the Texas. This is we're ripping it down. We're, we're t- take down Jeff Saturday, ninety nine to twenty eleven. Take it down. He's out of the Ring of. He's not only getting not getting the head coach's job. He's out of the Ring of Honor. If there's one owner to do it. I can see Jeff Saturday, uh, Jim Mercy just in his rage, in a fit of rage, doing that for sure. I've said for weeks, I'm not going to rule out anything (laughs) from this season. So that's a non-zero chance. With the drama and just crazy news and, and frankly, uh, baffling news that's come out, frankly, each each and every week, like I say, wouldn't be surprised at this point if Jeff, if Jim says like, yeah, actually Jeff said, we're going to, we're going to take his name down. That was just, that was so bad. He embarrasses us so much that we're going to, we can put him in the ring of honor anymore. We're going to try to erase him from Colts history for sure. But, I will say, I mean, look, we've bashed Jeff Satter for a while. He's not a very good head coach. But I think one thing is important to mention is that, like, we mentioned when he was first hired, he's in an impossible situation, right? This yeah. is a situation where he really had no chance to succeed whatsoever. It was basically, you have the guys play hard for eight games, and we kind of saw that at the end not even be the case. But, again, when you're when you making all these decisions, when you're jerking guys around and making moves that make no sense, it's tough to kind of buy in at this point in the season. So I, I really can't get him on, on, on that for uh, – get him on get on him for too much of that but and today like i said he's never really had a chance and i think too george if we need example number 10951 we got that uh on sunday because the fact that jeff saturday really thought after an offsides penalty in what was i believe was the first half if i'm not mistaken or maybe the third, third quarter i think it was third quarter I think. You, you go from the six yard line you're gonna line up for a field goal then you get the offsides, half uh, half the distance goal. It's fourth and three then from the three-yard line. And he initially runs the field goal unit out or keeps him on the field. That shoots. I didn't take him off, didn't even hesitate, and needs the chorus of boos from the Colts fans that were there in order to say, oh, maybe I should go for this, call a timeout, then go for it. 
then right then and there, George, again, you don't need any more reasons. We, we ran out of reasons in like week two of him uh, in his tenure as why he shouldn't be that coach. But that's just another reason. You cannot be one. You're just um, pressured by the fans to make a decision either way. But two, I mean, fourth and three, dude, it's you're four eleven and one. What are we right. doing? Like, like guys, what are we doing? I mean, I, that's to me one of the big things too. I mean, there's a lot uh, we've we've gone over many, many, many scenarios for why this doesn't work. But he hit it on fourth and one from the five up in New York last week. We talked about that a little bit on on the pod that we did uh, in midweek because we didn't have a post game pod this week. But we talked a little bit about that. The big one to me, that Minnesota comeback, the first half, three field goals kicked by the Colts inside the 10-yard line. Three field goals inside the 10-yard line. Uh, And no one thinks you're going to blow a 33-point lead. I'm not saying that. It's just you've gone from one extreme to the other there. I mean, people didn't necessarily like Frank Reich uh, going for it as often as he did. And and then you have Jeff Saturday kicking from inside the 10 uh, so often. So, yeah, look. We said it the day was hired. It didn't change. I think I said it on that pod. People can go back and find it, throw it in my face if I didn't. But I'm pretty sure I said it on that pod. This is why people, other owners, don't make a change like this at midseason. You fire your coach at midseason, but you don't bring a guy in from the outside because it's never going to work. This is the outcome of that. You know, uh, I, I don't know outside of one obvious person, I don't know who thought the outcome was going to be different <laughs> when you bring in. Somebody who wasn't here for training camp, who didn't watch the first half of the season, not as intently as somebody who's coaching a team would. Uh, and then you're going to come in here in, in week nine and turn everything around. A couple things, you know, before we get into some AFC South talk and some other things, a couple things that really stick out to me. You go back to that Monday night game against the Steelers. They come into that game with almost the same record, the Colts and the Steelers. Today, the Colts were playing, the Steelers were playing for a chance to get an AFC wildcard spot. They won their game, but they didn't get everything else to happen and they didn't get in. But they had a shot still today. The Colts were playing their third game since they got eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, that to me is damning as you're looking at an interim head coach. And then the other side of this is when he took over, Jacksonville was behind them. They were second in the division. Jacksonville was third. They were having a worse season than the Colts at that point. And last night, they won the AFC South. So, again, I mean, there's just two examples. Turnarounds that happened in the same time frame that we're talking about. And Pittsburgh's even shorter. But in the same time frame that we're talking about, turnarounds that happened by established head coaches who I guess have fear in their hearts or something, but were able to get this done. And even look like you look at Rich Passaccia last year at the Raiders. You look at who was the first time head coach, mind you. Look at Steve Wilkes this year, who was a, a one-year head coach in Arizona for you fired what he's doing in Carolina this year where I know Carolina's record is not that much better than the Colts, but they were in a playoff race as, as late as last week. And you look at these two teams last year at the Raiders, this year, the Panthers, at least turning around and being competent and getting that, like that jump that most interim coaches provide. Like that's the thing. Like that's part of the reason why sometimes coach or, or owners of gyms make a change. Sometimes you think, all right, we got to make a change. You want to make a change. And you want to provide some sort of spark to what is a, a team that is dead midway through the year. You see it in all different sports. And for the most part, a lot of teams respond in a positive way. Take a basketball. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. They fire Steve Nash. Jock Vaughn comes in. Now the Nets are one of the best teams in the NBA. They've had the same talent, but now they've, they, they've put it together. And the Colts are like the only team I can think of, at least off the top of my head, in recent memory, George, really any sport, where you had to interim not only – well, he provided one week of spark, so we'll give him credit. You had, you had one game against the Raiders that provided a little bit of uh, spark and got a jump. But other than that, this is this, this team is worse. Like this team is worse than they were under Frank Reich. 
the last month of the year, they are more lifeless than they were under Frank Reich. And those last two games against the Commanders and the Patriots when Sam Allen were starting, it was some dark days. It was some dark days. And somehow they're even more lifeless now than they were in those two games under Frank Reich. And it's like they just – whatever you know, whatever numbers you like to use point differential a lot, which is very fair as well to highlight just the, the horrible job Jeff Satter's doing, you can point to at least 10 different metrics easily – and show you how worse this team has gotten with Jeff Saturday's head coach credit with Frank Reich. And you rarely see an interim do that bad of a job for such a short time in eight games. It's 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 remarkably, it's remarkably bad. And again, Jim Irsay, man, I, there's nothing you could say. I, I get you're right. When I said he what can he do to convince himself, he's already convinced himself. So that, that's right. And he doesn't really care what others say because he did it on he was a one-man crew acting when he hired Jeff Saturday in the first place. But my oh my, like read the room. Like, like Jim, just Open your eyes. Like take off the, the Jeff Saturday colored glasses and look at how your team is playing in just one game out of the seven game stretch and see he's not the guy. Yeah, no, I you know, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of other rumors out there uh, this weekend, as you would expect. That's this is the time of year this stuff starts coming up about other coaches um, that are going to be interesting here. I mean, there's there's a lot of things right now linking Sean Payton to the Broncos. We'll see if that's something that actually happens. Uh, but as of Sunday, that was a hot topic, you know, with them talking with the Saints and p- perhaps coming to a compensation agreement for, for a move there. Um, Jim Harbaugh's situation in Michigan, I think, is going to be an interesting sit- situation. Uh, sounds like he may not be a candidate in Carolina. If you take Denver off the board as well, we'll see what jobs open up Monday. But, you know, obviously that is narrowing down a little bit as well. Uh, you got to throw the Sean McVay situation in here. That's a crazy crazy outcome up there too and if the rams are open you know where does that go um there's a lot still out there on the board but i I think it's the one thing everybody can agree with is that it shouldn't be jeff saturday he should not be the next head coach uh full-time head coach here for the for the indianapolis colts so let's use common sense george let's just say jeff saturday is is out right this shouldn't even be a discussion but again with what we've seen this year nothing like you said nothing can be ruled out but let's just say jeff's not the guy Let's go rapid fire. Like I said, there were over the weekend a few different rumors about a few different head coaching possibilities for the Colts here that were that was interesting news. Let's start with the pie in the sky uh, dream in Sean Payton. You mentioned he's got permission to talk uh, talk to the Broncos, but it was interesting on the Fox pregame show on Sunday. He was talking to Peter Schrager, and they were kind of talking just openly, which is, that was interesting. But they were talking openly, basically about what Sean Payton is looking for, and he, and he uh, Sean Payton was asked basically, is quarterback like the biggest thing you're looking for? You want an established guy, and he said Sean Payton said no, it's ownership. Basically, you know, he wants to see ownership for an office head coach. What that kind of triumvirate, and, you know, if they can work together, that's kind of the biggest thing he's looking for. Fair to say, Sean Payton he doesn't care about as quarter uh, he doesn't care about quarterback as much as he does owner. Not that there was a real chance of him coming to Indy anyway, but. Yeah, cross Colts off the list if the first thing he's looking for is owner. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, to kind of underline that and, and spread it to some other candidates, if the Colts can trade for the number one overall pick, it's going to change the way this, this job is viewed, obviously, because you can pick your quarterback, theoretically, and you can groom that guy, and that's the dream for any head coach. You can come in and, and get your guy and grow with him, and that's that's the scenario that works best in the NFL. When we look at teams that have long-term success, that's usually it, right? A coach-QB combo that came in together and and, and takes off. And so that's what everybody's looking for. But if you're Sean Payton, even if the Colts told you in the interview that they're going to trade up for number one, can you believe them right now? Do you do they have that credibility after what they've gone through this year? I think that's a big question. And that's for all the head coaches. If they bring in Jim Harbaugh, if they bring in Leslie Frazier and they say, hey, 
we're going to we're going to trade up with the Bears. We're going to get them one overall pick. Do you trust that as as the head coach, as a potential candidate coming in? And also, too, they can't guarantee it. Like, we're talking about making the best offer no matter what. And maybe the Colts say, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to match whatever offer. But, like, what if the Texans offer, I don't know, three first-round picks for the first overall pick? And the Bears go, we'll go from number one to number two. Sure, no problem. And they say, well, they're going to take Houston's offer because they're higher up. Nothing you can do. So, I mean, like, we could talk about, oh, do all you can to get the number one overall pick. But sometimes, like you said, just where other teams are, you 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 know, there's no guarantee that they can be able to get the number one overall pick. So, like you said, it's believability number one, which is a question, and number two, it's also you're not going to trade for it now. You're going to if you are to make a move, you would think bare minimum it's going to come in. I don't know two months from March. now, like right March, yeah. you know, sometime in there. So by that point, you're going to have a head coach already. So you can't make the move first and then say, oh look, we got the number one overall pick now. Hire a head coach. So it's going to be like I said, tough. I do think I think the Quentin Nelson deal came down around St. Patrick's Day. I want to say don't hold me okay. to that, but I think it might have been like right dead on it. The one that netted him uh, the trade down with the Jets. I do think it will come before free agency for that for the simple fact that both the Bears and the team that's going to get this quarterback are going to want to enter free agency knowing that's done. You want you want to go through free agency with the idea of how you know, okay we're going to have a, a rookie quarterback. So what do we want to do to build him? And if you're Chicago, you want to you now know what you're getting back in return for this deal. And that's going to affect what you do in free agency too. So I, I would say early March would be my guess, but still either way, like we said, like it's going to be after head coach. Is, oh, is absolutely. Hired, so you can't guarantee Months that after. you can't pull the trigger on that deal first and then try to show, I got to show up and, Hey, look, we got number one over pick. You like Bryce Lang, let's take him here and we'll go from there. It's yeah, it's, it's tough for sure. So, Trying to have Sean Payton believe in you and believe in a plan is going to be very tough. So, like I said, I think it's fair to cross his name off the list for the Colts. Um, Jim Harbaugh, you mentioned as well, two pieces of news that came out. It, it is looking like, you know, he's been in contact with the Panthers a good amount. And it sounds also like Jim Harbaugh's the one reaching out, not the other way around. He's kind of been the one that's kind of always uh, been the, the first contact. Um, and it seems like one thing is the Panthers are, are not terribly interested right now in Jim Harbaugh. And they're going to take a good hard look at Steve Wilkes as their permanent head coach did a solid job of replacing that rule this year. And also, too, another report that came out from Albert Breer is that Jim Harbaugh, one of his preferred candidates as GM, is believed to be right now uh, Ed Dodds on the Colts staff, which is, again, another connection, and, and it makes maybe that, that Jim Harbaugh to Indy uh, possibility that much greater when the guy that maybe Jim Harbaugh wants to work for is already on your staff. That'll be really interesting too. You know, could he broker could he broker a piece between Chris Ballard and Jim Harbaugh, for instance? Is he another go between? You've already had the the Jim Ursay connection there. You have what we've talked about for weeks with the, the the rest of that building. You know, people from secretaries to to training people to equipment guys to to people in the kitchen. You know what I mean? That that have been around uh, since the '90s, since since Jim Harbaugh was here. Uh, who he knows and he understands how this organization works. You know, if you if there is, I always take that Albert Breer is a great great reporter and and i think you can trust a lot of what he says uh but especially this time of year i think you have to take everything with a grain of salt because people have agendas not reporters people talking to reporters have agendas and are trying to get out there what they want to get out there um so it'll be interesting to see but i that to me is is a really interesting part of this element here um if that's true um it's just another thing that might push it in that direction and i think again when you're looking at this traffic that only helps you if you're Jim Harbaugh and you already felt like this might be your best spot because you know the owner and you know the city and, and the roster's built in a similar way to your 49ers teams as we've also been talking about for weeks here. If you already had those ideas in mind and now there's a chance, I mean, he's the one guy who we talked about before, might not care who the quarterback is, 
But now that there's a chance that you could go up and pick your guy, isn't it just another sweeter sweetener here? I mean, isn't it just another cherry on, on top of the Sunday? Right. And even though it sounds like Caroline maybe is not as interested as he is in them, like it makes the Colts a more attractive landing spot than the, the Panthers. Cause you have a, a great opportunity of getting the quarterback you want and getting the best quarterback in the draft for Carolina, who is, is going to have to move massive, massive, massive mounds if they want to accomplish that. So another feather in the Colts cap for sure. The one other thing I wonder about though, is if you Jim Harbaugh and he is contacting the, the, the Panthers. And this has been the question we can't answer all along. How much interest does he really have come back to the NFL? And how much is this is about trying to put pressure on Michigan to get an extension? Right, or uh, maybe up his price for, you know, maybe he knows how Jim Mercer operates. He says, all right, I'm going to create a little competition with, with the Panthers, and maybe that will drive my price up. Going, I, it's it's tough to say. Like I said, also, it's like everyone does have an agenda, so everyone's like, you know, Jim Harbaugh reaching out or his representatives reaching out to Catalan may just be to drive interest up or maybe feel like the Colts have to panic and, all right, we'll give you the deal, whatever you want, just, you know, get us here to create, you know, let's say false competition for Jim Harbaugh's services if really maybe in reality the Colts are the only team interested I mean, I think a lot of teams would be interested in Jim Harbaugh. Um, but again, we don't know. He's one of those guys. He's very quirky. He, he's kind of a tough personality. We saw his last time he was in the NFL very successful, but also flamed out pretty fast. And again, left the team after four years was worse year being eight and eight. You rarely see that when you go to three NFC title games in a Super Bowl. That's also you got to, you know, deal with this personality as well. Maybe a lot of teams don't have the appetite for it. It's tough I, to tell I right believe, now. I believe he's his own agent too. So that's another like, Ooh. crazy wrinkle and all this i think he's i think he represents himself so that's another part of this that it just makes it unpredictable yeah i did not realize that if that's the case oh boy that's 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 funny that is very interesting for sure and like i said definitely adds another wrinkle i can't imagine the two gyms in a room together how that would how that would go for sure but man a, a fly on the wall that'd be a fly on the wall george that <laughs> yeah. would be interesting uh Absolutely. and finally here the last head coaching note at least that came out over the weekend is that obviously we've talked on the last pod. In case you missed it, make sure you do check it out. Uh, the Blue Horse probably talked about some candidates outside of just Jim Harbaugh. That's been the main guy we've talked about a lot. You threw out Ron Rivera. We'll see Ron Rivera if he's if he's the head coach of the Commanders on Monday or not. Um, but if it's not Ron Rivera, a name that's getting a lot of steam this weekend, is right now Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. Your thoughts, George? I wonder if he's not kind of a safety blanket kind of a pick here and in, in the sense that you've got a guy who has an NFL history so he can come in and he can bring experience back. He can he can stop the the three ring circus from turning for a minute. You know, what I mean, in terms of of just knowing what it takes to build a staff, to build a staff that that has an NFL caliber uh, experience level uh, and, and to kind of calm some things down. So I, I don't think he's a guy that would really excite me for one reason. I, I think you've got to come out after you made the statements that you made as an owner in Jim Irsay about Frank Reich. And after you fired him in the midseason when you were three, five and one, you got to come out of this with a guy with a coach that at least 50% of the fan base can, can feel like is a better head coach than Frank Reich. I don't think Leslie Frazier meets that, that bill. I mean, if you look at their, their tenure, uh, the Frank Reich here and Leslie Frazier with the Vikings, I think you'd have to, to lean towards Frank Reich. Um, but I think there's a lot of things here that, that make him, you know, a lesser of, of many evils, I guess, <laughs> out there in, you know, when we were talking about like with Ron Rivera, if it comes down to, you know, certain guys, I think he's a safety net in a lot of ways because he's another guy who's been here as an assistant, has a long history with Tony Dungy, uh, you know, has a long history with Bill Polian. Uh, and so we'll, we'll understand what he's getting into. You know, he'll know what 
what the situation is here. And I think he's a guy on this list who would be really happy to get another opportunity. You know, he, he's been doing a great job with the Bills uh, as a defense coordinator. Um, I'm sure you can read down that list of accomplishments and make the case for why he deserves another head coaching job and, and, and why he's a fit here. Uh, so I do, uh, to me, he's sort of that, I don't know, the safety net, you know, if everything else falls through, if, if you can't get Jim Harbaugh and you can't uh, land maybe one of the, the, the top young offensive minds, maybe Leslie Frazier is a spot where you can go and you can feel like, Hey, you know, if nothing else, he can come in here and he can put you on more solid ground than the chaos that we're seeing right now, as far as this franchise goes. I think you're right. You characterize that really well because I, I'll be honest. When the like when you see the reports going out, Leslie Frazier, Leslie, Frazier, like why the hell would they want to like be interested in Leslie Frazier? But I think you're right. It makes sense, especially it makes sense when you kind of piggyback off of our last conversation on Friday about you know talking about options and it's like okay, we we've thrown out guys like I like Shane Sykes, Eagles offensive coordinator, or the Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. You were a good point. It's like well. Just because the Colts have interest in those guys, maybe they'd be a good fit doesn't mean that they have interest in the Colts back. And you see kind of how this team has gone. And we know Nick Sciarni's, you know, connection to Frank Reich and his disdain right now for this Colts organization. Like, the Colts right now are not, you know, the, the darling in everyone's eye in terms of job opening. So, like, I, you are right. Like, if the Colts just aren't interested. If D'Amico Ryan says, thanks for no thanks. Mike Kafka says, I'm going to go elsewhere. Shane Sykes says, ah, you know, I saw you tr- treated Frank Reich. I'm going to either take another job or be patient. Say Nick Sciarni will get another opportunity next year or something like that. Then it's like, where do you go? Like, honestly, you throw a Ron Rivera, and that's someone who I think, like I said, would come to Indy. I don't know if I feel great about that. And Leslie Frazier, I think you're also right. He would come to Indy. But if we're talking about a Leslie Frazier-led Colts team next year, not feeling good whatsoever. That's that's a At this point, I think it has to be hard or bust. I, I think that he's the one guy who can come in here and, and maybe start winning right away, who could have a Doug Peterson kind of impact on this team and, and, and turn things around and make you forget how this season ended and, you know – come out of it right away. I think with Leslie Frazier, like I said, I think you're just going to have, he's going to be able to put together a staff. That's one question I have with Jeff Saturday, quite frankly, can he put together an NFL staff? So much of that's connections. The guys you came up with the the place that you were previously coaching and the coaches who kind of worked with you being able to, you know, you call the guys you came up with and you say, Hey, I need a linebackers coach who knows this system. And they read off five guys names to you. They know are in the system, you know, and then you go and you, you reach out to Jeff Saturday doesn't have that network. Because he was at ESPN, he wasn't here, you know, in the in the NFL building that. I mean, he could put together probably some of his former teammates, uh, and that would be an interesting thing to see. I mean, going to next year, and it's basically the early 2000s Colts as as the coaching staff certainly be an experiment. Uh, but yeah, I think Leslie Frazier is a guy that could could come in here and, and put together a, a quality NFL staff. The big question with him, as it would be with D'Amico Ryan's, uh, but even more so with, with Leslie Frazier's, who is his offense coordinator? Who's his quarterbacks coach? Who are the guys who are going to groom this, uh, you know, assumedly young quarterback that you're bringing in? That that's where the real question comes from. We've seen it work. I mean, Sean McDermott was a defensive guy and and went up to Buffalo, and they were able to 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 build Josh Allen up. Um, you know, it's not out of the question, uh, but I think it's that that would be my biggest. If I'm interviewing Leslie Frazier for this job, I want to know. Who are you bringing in to be your offense coordinator? Who are you bringing in to be your quarterback's coach? 100% right. And the last thing I'll say about Jeff Saturday to kind of put a bow and kind of circle back to him since we started this uh, this portion of the pod with Jeff Saturday. You're also right. Also, you know, part of building a staff is connections, but also his belief level. 
Like sometimes mm-hmm. you can hire someone that you don't you really know too much, but you heard the good things about, but they will come to you know work with you because they have a belief that hey, I think this guy could be good at coach. I'm gonna be on a staff. And as you know, like if you're an assistant, you want to try to rise up, being on a good staff with a good team is how you get your name back out of the mix. And I don't really know many, many assistants around the country, many assistants in this league that would say, Oh yeah, I want to hitch my wagons to Jeff Saturday. Any young up-and-coming minds would say, you know, I'm going to be the offense coordinator for Jeff Saturday because I have belief in him. You're going to probably get Ken in two years. Now, that's the thing. You're signing up to get fired most likely because this is going to be a failure. So it's just like – that's like his belief level, and Jeff Saturday doesn't have connections going for him, or really a belief level around the league that he can actually turn this around. So it's – again, I'm, George, we don't need any more reasons. We've said that a ton. That's the another one. Another reason why absolutely there should be no Jeff Saturday. Uh, again, we have already seen – we should have seen – on Sunday, the last game as him as Colts head coach for sure. All right, when we return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod to finish up, you mentioned Doug Peterson. Perfect timing because Doug Peterson in his first year in Jacksonville turned the Jags around from first overall pick to AFC South champs. What does this mean for the Colts and their future going forward here in this division? We'll discuss on the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer, he was the as we recap the regular season finale. Colts lose. 31 or 32 31 to the Texans to fall to 4 12 and 1 on the year. Make sure you download uh, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. We got a lot coming your way. Really, the true season now starts with a very busy offseason. So make sure you're always staying up to date with the latest Blue Horseshoe Pods. We have a lot of content coming your way. Saturday night, George, we saw Texans, Jaguars, and Jacksonville fighting for the AFC South crown. Jacksonville. They are the winners. They win the AFC South for 2022 as they take down the, the Titans. And Doug Peterson, in his first year, does uh, deliver an AFC South crown. I'll be honest, for at least the Colts going forward here, I think you can use the Jaguars' inspiration. I think that the Jaguars is actually a good blueprint, as crazy as it sounds, for the Colts where you see the impact of getting a competent head coach. And obviously it's going to be, you know, depending on the quarterback as well, as as, ten, uh, as Jacksonville had that already last year, Trevor Lawrence. But – you see the impact of a competent head coach and how much that does impact coaching or impact the team and success. It should be another reason why the Colts should be Jim Harbaugh boss because you see the impact of what Doug Peterson is able to do right away. Yeah, I mean, uh, it took a while. You know, they they had to get over some humps in the in the first half of the season, and that's the way it is. Nothing's going to be easy. No one's going to walk in here in training camp and turn this team around and be a, a Super Bowl contender that day. Uh, but you got to get the guys to buy in, and that's what Doug Peterson did. He he weathered those storms. He got those guys to believe. They finished the year on on a great hot streak, and they're the AFC South champions now. Uh, and hats off to Jacksonville. Congratulations to Marcel Robinson, our our, our guest, a couple times here uh, in, in getting this division title. I'm sure he's having a good time down there now in North Florida and, and looking forward to this playoff game, which is an interesting one, given that, that regular season battle between the Jaguars and the Chargers. That, that's going to be an interesting matchup uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, but, you know, hats off to them and, and getting it done. But you think about it, you go back to last year, and there was a Twitter uh campaign going on to, to dress as clowns to send a message to Shad Khan the the owner down there uh, of the Jaguars because they didn't like the fact that Trent Baalke was coming back as the GM and how could he do this and they went out and they got Doug Peterson and they had an offseason that not a lot of people honestly praised they, it felt like they overpaid paid a lot of guys but you know what they did they put Trevor Lawrence in a better situation they got him in a situation where he took steps forward 
And now is winning the division a great accomplishment this year? I don't know that it is, but it is for Jacksonville. From where they came from both last year and where they were, you know, halfway through this season, it absolutely is a huge accomplishment for them. And if you're sitting here right now, as we are on this pod, uh, without any of the offseason going for it, without knowing who's going to end up with the number overall pick, without knowing how the draft's going to play out, I would take Jacksonville's situation moving forward over any of the four, the other three teams in this division. Without a doubt. Whether you're 100% right about that, and, and like you said, it's just they, they have by far the brightest future, and they by far right now are the team that I think have overtaken the Titans right now as the team to be in the AFC South. And like you mentioned, I'm glad you brought up the offseason because, like I said, they signed Christian Kirk, who's like a solid receiver, but everyone, like you said, was what? Saying they overpaid him. Why the hell would you give him $18 million? That's lunacy. So you look at, too, like this team from where they were last year, and Colts fans, right, we saw it firsthand with that Week 18 game in Jacksonville. We said they showed up as clowns. In fact, the, the Colts were the actual true clowns uh, in the state in that day. But, like, you look at from where that team went from Week 18 going forward here. They were able to turn around. They got the number one overall pick, and they were able to at least, when you bring in Doug Peterson, make a quick turnaround where they became the first team since the 2013 Chiefs to go from the first overall pick one year and then, you know, the next year while go to the playoffs. And you look at those two, like the last two teams to do that, Chiefs and the Jaguars. Same thing in common, head coach change. You had Romeo Cornell, the head coach of the Chiefs in 2012. He gets fired. Andy Reid comes in, boom, right away, playoffs first year. Obviously, Meyer was an abject failure last year. He gets fired. Doug Peterson comes in. It's a quick turnaround. I think I've been saying this for a while, and I know we're talking about a team that literally just lost to the Texans to finish out the season and lost seven games in a row. So it's not like it's this, you know, this is maybe not a popular statement. I think it's true. I don't think the Colts are that far. Like, I think they can actually pull off a similar turnaround as the Jaguars did from last year, this year. Then they have, like, I think the biggest issue with this team is coaching. And if you bring in a guy like Jim Harbaugh, I think he can have the same impact that Doug Pearson has. Obviously, the quarterback is going to be, you know, a big one because they had Trevor Lawrence. So that's kind of already a feather in your cap. We'll see. And I'm not sitting here saying the Colts will be, you know, AFC South champs next season. But you can. I don't think this is a team that's going to be in a five-year rebuild that finally figured out in like 2027. Like I think they could turn around faster than you think. And it starts with a head coach hiring that, that works. And it should hopefully start with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and that's one of the things Zach Moss said down in, in the locker room today was that uh, there's a lot of belief in this locker room from some of these guys because they know that the talent's here. And Paris Campbell said a similar thing, that they feel like the talent on this roster is better than their results were. So they know, you know, I think you get the right coach in here who gives them the right confidence, gets them in the right places. Uh, it could turn around quickly. You know, are they AFC South champs? I, they haven't won it since 2014, so I'm not going to go there just yet. Uh, but Absolutely. It, it could turn around quickly. But again, you, you've got to nail that head coaching job. You've got to go find your version of Doug Peterson. Uh, and that, from a resume standpoint, is Jim Harbaugh. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, we'll see if they're able to go and and make that kind of a run. The thing that sticks out to me about this team, you know, isn't just the, the as the as the bottom here has been saying for a while, that, that everybody else in the division has won the title twice since the Colts last won it. You won four and one in the division this year. I mean, that is a remarkably bad record. And I don't think they've had a winning record since 2020 uh, in the division because, you know, they, they've been swept by Tennessee. They've had a lot of, of issues going on. We know they lose in Jacksonville every year. Uh, but the odd thing is you're 1-4-1. and You were 0-1-1 and against the last place team in the division. Your one win was against the division champs. It's that kind of year. It's an insane year. And I think... But, but when you look at the gulf between them and the rest of the division right now, 
I don't know if it's ever been wider in the history of the AFC South. You look at how long they dominated this division with Peyton Manning and how Andrew Luck kind of kept it going. I don't know if the Colts have ever been in a worse position in relation to their AFC South foes than they are right now. I'm trying I mean, I don't think you're wrong because like, well, I'll say this. I guess it depends on how the draft goes. Because if, if, if mm-hmm. the Texans get Today. Bryce Young, I would agree. Like, well, you know, that's fair, right? They just went 0 1 1 against the Texans. So, like, what am I saying? Like, they can't, they don't get the benefit of the doubt of beating this team because this is the worst team in the NFL. And you tie to start the season, you lose them at the end of the year. So, it's not like that's fair. I can't get the benefit of the doubt saying they're in a better spot than the Texans. But especially if the Texans get Bryce Young, then all of a sudden that really changes the things and really has you feeling, you know, bad about the Colts going forward here in terms of actually mm-hmm. trying to say compete. Tennessee's going to be an interesting one, a wild card, because they're kind of stuck in the middle. And if you don't get a quarterback, maybe you start to tear it down. Jack Henry's going to be in the last year's contract next season. So that's kind of a team that's fringy. But I think you're right. Like, when you look at this Colts team, just – and I feel like – true, because I feel like you're right in the sense that they are probably the, right now the worst team in the division, even though record-wise they would say that. But also at the same time, I also think they're not – like, they could turn around next year. Like, they won't win it, but they could be in, in contention. Well, as bad as this year went, they beat the division champs on the field right down here in front of me uh, on the field earlier this year. So, you know, they're not that far away. Uh, it's just it was a a storm of, of just horrible events this year. Uh, many of their own self-making that, that kind of led to where they are right now. But I, and it, again, when I say that about in relation to the rest of the division today. As we speak right, right now, Sunday, that might not be the case in April, you know, but it is right now. Uh, and I think that's that's something they need to admit to themselves. I think that's something in the last couple of off seasons that, that they haven't, you know, they, they've banked on how much talent there is here and how close they are. They've tried that approach. I think it's time for them to look at the rest of the league and say, you know what, right now, as we speak, without a move being made, we are in maybe the fourth best position of anybody in this division. If I'm Jim Irsay and I'm Chris Ballard, that's the way I'm looking at it right now coming in. That Houston, Jacksonville, Tennessee at this moment are in a better spot moving forward than the Colts are. And so what are you going to do to fix that? Part of that's trading up to get the number one overall pick. You know, part of it's fixing that quarterback spot. Part of it's hiring the right head coach. But I think those things don't happen if you don't get your mind in the right set to begin with, I guess is my point. I think for too long, they've been with that idea of we're one guy away, we're one quarterback away, we're one, you know, whatever, receiver, pass rusher, we're one guy away from being the Kansas City Chiefs. Get that thought out of your mind. It's it's going to take more than that. It's going to be a, a more extensive rebuild. As we mentioned, it might not be a longer rebuild but it's a more extensive rebound rebuild and i think you've got to approach it that way i you're right when you lose to again coming into the war or you're oh one and one against the worst team in the nfl coming into today you don't really have like i said you can't give yourself the benefit i think oh we're we're that close and even though half of their wins ironically at two of the four are against playoff teams in jacksonville and kansas city so I, that's i riddle that how that makes any sense for 2022 um but my goodness gracious that, that's just again you're right I think in that sense, right now, today, as we sit here on uh, the conclusion of Week 18, in the, I would argue, the worst division in the AFC and one of the worst divisions and weakest divisions in the NFL, you are fourth out of four. Fourth out of four. That's It's humbling. It's sobering. And like I said, hopefully that desperation um, fuels Chris Ballard, if he's a GM, to make a move to trade up, fuels Jim Irsay to – I don't realize whatever he's doing is not working and whether it's just making the right head coach hire, maybe it's letting the guys he hires do their job, like whatever it is, you just have to realize whatever we're doing right now, 
It's not working. And we are in a worse spot today than any other team in the division. And we are in a worse spot today than really any point since Andrew Luck left. And really any point since, I mean, you knew in, in 2011 they were going to mostly get Andrew Luck basically halfway through the year. But basically going into 2011, like that's kind of like, it's hard to find a worse spot for the Colts really since then. No, absolutely. Uh, and again, like you said, then you were looking at it and you knew you had the number one overall pick. Now you're hopeful, you know, hey, if this happens and that happens and you make the right move and you're aggressive enough, you can get it. But at that point, it was in your back pocket. You knew it. Uh, and it makes it a different situation. That's why I say that at, at this moment, they're in the worst right. position, because at this moment, Houston's picking second. And if you're the Texans, I don't know what their quarterback rankings look like. They may be OK with the idea of taking CJ Stroud. I don't know. That I know this much at number two, they're in a better spot right now than the Colts are even at number five. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I just think the first step of, of fixing a problem is admitting you have a problem. And I'm not sure the Colts have really been willing to go the full distance with that the last few years. You know, it's been not half measures, but it's been everything done with the idea that, hey, we are close. We can get this done right away. And I think it needs to be more this way with the idea of, hey, we're the worst team in the division, and we need to address that. Right, and maybe that sense of urgency like gets action done when it comes to actually getting a quarterback compared to, like I said, the last two or three years, where it's, oh, actually, this roster is good enough, so we don't need that game-changer quarterback. We're just going to kind of get an average middle-of-the-road guy, and hopefully the rest of the roster will lift him up. Not the case. Absolutely not the case, like I said, and that's been hammered home all season long with the failed Matt Ryan experiment. Well, we saw Nick Foles do uh, – play worse and we saw Sam Ellinger play even worse than that so the quarterback play has shown you like I said how far away this roster truly is and or at least not this this quarterback play has at least showed that this roster is nowhere near as high as high level and as good as being Chris Ballard and Co. thought coming into this year and even going into last year as well thanks for saying and, and I did too I mean I'll, I'll put myself in there I I'm the one who was sitting here back in August saying this team's gonna win the division they're gonna Same. win the playoff game you know, I had 100% belief in it, but I think now is the time to sit down and take a good hard look at it. There is a lot of talent in that locker room. There's no question about that. That's true of probably 31 other locker rooms. That's what the NFL is. I mean, that, that's how you get here because you're an extremely talented player. So, you know, I, I, I think there is a point at which you have to, to recognize reality, you know, and, and step up and say, look, this situation's maybe worse than we thought it was. And in and, 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 and the way that you're talking about this offense in particular, I know, again, the defense, you know, wasn't able to close out a game and no one's going to defend the way they played the last three or four weeks of the season, uh, either side of the ball. But as we're looking at the season as a whole, this offense being, you know, by many measures, the worst offense in the league, the second worst offense in the league, the third worst offense in the league, you know, whatever statistic you want to look at, they're like 29th, 30th, 31st, or 32nd in almost everything that matters. Um, situational football was terrible. Third down, red zone, terrible. You know, turnovers, horrible. 34 of them, horrible. big part of the day's game was the turnovers, you know. Um I, I think you've got to look at that and say, look, we have an offense that right now is not capable of competing at an NFL level. And what are we going to do to fix that? What are we going to do? I like that, George. That's I think a, a good way to kind of close out because you're right. They have, you got to look yourself in the mirror. Which is, we, I was in that boat with you as well. I, think, like, I forget what, what record I said. It was either 10 and 7, 11 and 6. But again, we picked double digits, win the division, either get, you know, get the playoffs, obviously win the division or even win a playoff game in, Clearly, 4-12-1 came nowhere close to that. And that, like I said, it, it requires looking at the roster, evaluating every single person 
it requires when talking about the number one overall pick, making everybody available. I mean, you know, no one's off limits with this team when you go, you know, when you have this bad of a season, everything has to be on the table. Jim Irsay said this time last year, what all chips in. I hope we don't have another corny phrase this year because that really backfired. But at least if there's going to be some sort of phrase, it's either what are you going to do about it or basically not a phrase per se, but just more of a mindset of everything is on the table. Every player, every trade possibility, every head coaching candidate. Like there's nothing where you could assume, oh, we are good here. We don't need an upgrade here. Because like I said, every position at one point of the season has failed. Everything has, has been an embarrassment. When you lose and you finish the season on a seven-game losing streak, where the defense is, for the most part, that's been good, has completely fallen apart at the end. When the offense is sporadic at best, like at best, and anytime they get anything going consistently, they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers. You got to put everything on the table, figure it out here. And that's that's going to be the biggest key to 2023, either being a building block for something positive or spin your wheels. And here we are at this time next year, George, I'm basically the same old Colts, not doing anything to fix it. And another offseason filled with questions and, and hope that was totally let out of the balloon and underachieving to say the least. So how's it feel, George? Now that we, we are done talking about actual games, what is the feeling like? I'm excited. I mean, I'll be honest uh, because not, not because the season's over, um, but because we've got a lot to talk about. And I think it's going to be a really interesting off season. When you talk about the way things came out today with Chicago, having the number one overall pick and having no idea what they're going to do. Maybe they sit and pick, you know, maybe they, maybe they think Willie Anderson's a generational guy and, and they're just going to take him and that's that, you know what I mean? Um, but even if that's the case, it's, it's going to impact what happens, you know, all in front of the Colts. And I think that uh, that to me is what's really interesting. I think for the longest time, we were pretty much working under the assumption that Houston was going to have the number one overall pick, that there would be no way that they would even be interested in talking with the Colts about it. And now it's it's not off the table. And anytime that's the case, I, it's first time since 2011, really, where I can sit down and say, hey, they might they might make this move. It's it's reasonable. You know, there, there's every reason to think that they could and, and that they will on it. Granted, we'll get, we've got plenty of time to talk about who the competition will be and, and how that will shape out and how other teams might try to get into this. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm Chicago, I'm trading down twice. First, My first call is to Houston, and I'm going to trade to two, and then I'm auctioning off two to whoever wants that one. Uh, but that, you know, it, there's so many ways this could play out. And that's what I'm excited about. I think it, it's now become an offseason of infinite possibility. You say excitement. I'll go relief just from the fact that we don't have to watch any more slot football. We don't have to kind of. I want to see more of what we just saw. Come on. <laughs> That's true. That's true. At least offensive. My goodness. 31 points. Look out. Look out. An offensive explosion. But at least release the fact you don't have to watch any more bad football, any, any more mind boggling turnovers or, or awful coaching decisions. And relief that, frankly, when you make the move to at least bench Matt Ryan uh, after week seven, when you're three, three and one, and at least we talked about that game being. Okay, if the Colts are going to be actual playoff slash division contenders, you're going to go into Tennessee and win the game. If not, you have to reevaluate problems. This is not a very good team, and they're not going to make the playoffs. You lose that game, you're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. Picking here, bare minimum, or worst-case scenario, because I think the game's still going on as we record this. Worst-case scenario, you're sitting there at number five. So, okay, fine. Like In terms of getting the best pick possible and positioning yourself the best you possibly can to get that guy to turn your franchise around, I would say mission complete or mission successful so far for the Colts in terms of they are in a solid position you could ask for with an opportunity, thanks to the, the Bears uh, getting the number one overall pick, to, like I said, be in the market to make a trade and truly change the future of their franchise. We talk about this offseason really impacting the next five years of this franchise. If it's if it's good, it'll be obviously going in a good direction. If you if you screw it up, we're talking about the next, you know, it's going to be dark days so for the next probably five years or so for the Colts. 
This is so far, I would say I would lean, and I'm an optimist, maybe I'm a little biased. I lean more towards optimistic feelings coming out of week 18 and relief that they actually have a chance to get the number overall pick thanks to the Houston win compared to really any anything else. You know, if things went sideways, you lose, if you win this game, God forbid, or kind of just go, you know, four and four in, in Jeff Saturday's eight games and kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. So at least they got something successful at the end of the season with a top five pick and a chance. All you're asking for is a chance right now, George, to get. Bryce Young, let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> Maybe. Fingers crossed. This is a one-time fingers crossed. All right. So that will do it for the final post-game pod of the season. Really do appreciate it. Thank you, all of you who have tuned in throughout the year as me and George kicked this off back in August. It's been a blast so far uh, being with you three times a week throughout this roller coaster of a season. So it's been a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, but we appreciate you guys sticking through the downs and listening to us here in the Blue Horseshoe Pod. But don't worry, we are going nowhere. Like George mentioned, he is excited for the offseason. So am I, because we have so, so, so much to talk about. We'll get a lot more these next few weeks here into the head coaching search. Uh, Chris Bowd will be scheduled to speak this week as well, so you get kind of reaction to what he says. So again, now if you haven't been doing it before, that's okay. Now's the time. Make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod because we will be pumping out content left and right. It's going to be a busy, exciting, interesting off-season as we enter into the off-season months that will shape the Colts for the next five years or so. So George is geared up. I'm geared up. It's going to be a very fun off-season without a doubt, George. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So we'll talk to you later on this week. Have a great week. And make sure you download to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We'll talk to you later on.